And now, the BC Food and Wine Radio Network presents Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Save On Foods. Now, here's Anthony and Casey. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. We are packed from uh, the front to the back. Uh, we will open the show uh, with Alex Gill. She's a restaurant critic from the Globe and Mail, and we'll catch up on uh, what's going on with uh, restaurant critics and how they're changing at the Globe the way that they look at restaurants. We'll also speak with Ingrid Jarrett and Ian Tostenson. Ingrid is the president of the BC Hotel Association. Ian is the president of the BC Restaurant Association. So we'll get a COVID update from both of them on what's going on around the province. Uh, and finally, Michael Barche joins us as well, winemaker and owner Barche Brothers. We'll talk a little bit about uh, his wines and what's going on in the central Okanagan at the end of the BC harvest. All that and more coming up next on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. When the cooler weather settles, the vibe changes, dishes become heartier, and wine decidedly more nuanced. Save on Foods carries the world's largest selection of BC VQA wine, more than 1,200 wines from over 180 wineries, all perfect for fall. There's no better time to experience BC's best vintages, and there's no better place to find them all than Save on Foods. Wines of British Columbia at Save on Foods. Browse the entire collection online at saveonfoods.com wine. The Modest Butcher Restaurant at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery in West Kelowna welcomes fall with a brand new menu. They'll be featuring separate lunch and dinner menus with some old Modest Butcher favorites along with some soon-to-be new fall favorite dishes. Walk-ins are always welcome, but reservations are recommended as seating is limited with COVID protocols in place. For all you need to know, check out mtboucherie.com. Fall has arrived. Celebrate the harvest at Black Hills Estate Winery with in-person and online tastings. Relax on their comfortable and spacious patio and sample the newly released Viognier and the rare and coveted Carmeniere. Their wine educators are eager to tell you about this lost grape of Bordeaux and how it grows in the South Okanagan. For more on the virtual tasting program or to book a seat on the patio, visit blackhillswinery.com and follow them on Facebook and Instagram. It's been a long year. You need a little therapy vineyard in your life. Book your stay at the Inn on the Vineyard overlooking Lake Okanagan and Giant's Head Mountain, sipping the latest releases all within steps of your luxurious boutique-style room. It is the ultimate wine lover's getaway without the flight. Plus, BC Food & Wine radio listeners can save on their stay year-round at Therapy Vineyards. Just enter the code Gizmondi when you book online at therapyvineyards.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. I'll meet you anytime you want in our Italian restaurant. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Our next guest is uh, an old friend of the show, and uh, glad to hear she's back at work. Alex Skills, the restaurant critic at the Globe and Mail. Alex, uh, how are you today? Great. How are you? Uh, I'm well. I'm just trying to... You stepped away for a bit, or how, how did it work out at the start of COVID? Yeah. What happened with the reviewing? 
well, restaurants close. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, um, okay. Let's start and, with that. Um, yeah. I mean, restaurants closed, and uh, a lot of people started doing takeout right away. Um, I didn't feel comfortable reviewing takeout because people were just sort of um, you know, figuring out how to do it. Um, <clears throat> you know, the safety protocols hadn't been set. And so instead of <clears throat> moving in that direction right away, I just started writing the news. I mean, there was a lot of news about safety protocols, about how, you know, restaurants were, were handling this, um, about, you know, was takeout safe, those sorts of things. So I just started yeah. writing the news and instead of reviewing. And, you know, even after a while, it didn't feel right to review restaurants. Um, uh, people you know, we're still struggling. Uh, we were still learning a lot about the virus, even in the summer. Um, you know, it just didn't seem like a good time to be, you know, getting uh, nerdy about food or going back to the same old um, standards of reviewing. Right. And I think it's just it took some time for people to get their bearings. Um, you know, but, you know, seven months later, six or seven months later, um, you know, people were, it felt like it was time to start again because um, restaurants were busy. Prime, you know, uh, I was having trouble getting reservations. Uh, people had their plexiglass and their spacing in place. The safety guidelines were 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 pretty clear, although they are evolving every week. But, sure. um, um, you know, restaurants were busy. People were inviting people in. Um, restaurants had changed um um it, people wanted to know what was happening and i think <clears throat> i think primarily for me uh the reason it, it it just felt like fair again to go in um but people really wanted to know what restaurants were doing i had a lot of people questioning asking me saying what do you think about this restaurant do you think they're following the safety protocols um mm. where's the best takeout so uh, there was just there was interest so I figured it was time to start reviewing again. And, you, new... and Alex, you dropped the ratings for restaurants. Why did you do that? <laughs> well, I've been wanting to do that for a long time. I mean, sometimes they just, they were so reductive, right? I yes. mean, how do you sum up everything in a, a star, you know, two, what's two stars versus three stars? Um, and how do you compare, you know, a casual um, burger shop to a fine dining restaurant? Um uh, I had two tiers, but most, you know, fine dining and casual. But what is even fine dining anymore? It changed so much in, you know, the last 10 years that uh, a lot of, I think, that I, I'm pretty sure like the New York Times is the only one that still had star ratings. And I don't think they're using them anymore right now. Anyways. No, they're not. I checked that. Yeah. You know what I found um, disappointing with takeout is I found that the really good restaurants in the city the top restaurants they're not very good at comfort food like they're not <laughs> they're not good at mac and cheese or shepherd's pie i just found that so interesting uh, well, why are you going to the fine dining restaurants for mac and pie mac and yeah. cheese <laughs> well, well why wouldn't yeah, i go I to the top restaurants for mac and cheese and shepherd's pie the prices are great you know the kitchens are yeah. good you know the covid all the covid protocols in place well, I think what's interesting is that there's such a range of takeout right now, and I'm happy to see some of the fine dining restaurants are doing more elaborate, elevated meals because that's what some people want at home. They want a special occasion at home, too. Um, the one frustrating thing I find is with some of the meal kits that you have to, you know, that come partially prepared and you have to cook at home. 
<laughs> especially with some of the fine dining restaurants, because they assume that everyone has professional grade stoves and maybe even two stoves. You know, yes. I had a turkey takeout, and 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 the instructions. I swear to God, they thought you know they they expected two stoves to be operating at the same time. Well, you know, most kitchens don't have that. No. So. Yeah, yeah and, mo- and most most chefs never have been good at recipes or directing other people how to cook. I mean, it's yeah. So, but there's some good value at places. I mean, I, some of my favorite, my, my favorite, you know, sort of um, uh, innovation is the online groceries. I yes. mean, you can get through some of the through some of. The, I mean, what we really discovered through COVID is that there are really two food chains. Well, one you know goes to restaurants, the other goes to grocery stores, and now all those all that great produce, all that great meat, all those you know the you know top tier um, you know um, pantry supplies that restaurants usually get. Now they're available to consumers at their home, and yeah. you know, even even butter, takeout. even butter's yeah. better. <laughs> you can get great. Cheeses delivered to your door, and you can get everything. And wines. Yeah. And, and wines at good course. prices. Our guest is Alex Skills. She's the uh, restaurant critic at the Globe and Mail. Alex, what what do we need to know now about restaurants? Like, you, you cover a bit of safety. Do we need to be concerned about that, or is that in place now? Or, like, are, are, people are obviously going back to restaurants, but uh, are, are, we, are we better clients than we used to be, or are we even more obnoxious? Well, I think there's a bit of both. I think there's still some restaurants that aren't following the safety procedures very well. I just saw an Instagram story from a pretty well-known bartender last night, and um, she said she quit a place because, you know, yeah, because she she felt it wasn't safe, and the, she felt the protocols weren't being followed. So, I mean, there are bad apples out there um and that's one important reason for you know me to be out there as well i mean it's a health inspector's job to do that but you know sometimes you need another set of eyes on things and um there was a lot of gray zones in the guidelines right and i think i think i think consumers just want to know uh you know how the restaurants are handling those gray zones especially the um, people wearing masks i mean now there's a lot more talk about, you know, customers wearing masks, but that hasn't been enforced until like, or even expected until like this week, practically. Yeah. Um, um, there's a lot, I see a lot of congestion in um, waiting areas, in right. lineups to the bathroom, in tight passageways. I mean, those things have to be, do have to be monitored and they're supposed to be according to the guidelines. Um, sometimes some of the, I don't know how, you know, they get through some of these safety standards, but some of the plexiglass barriers are not high enough to create like any sort of effective barrier really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going to talk about those things. Yes. Customers want to know. They do. One thing I've noticed is wearing uh, rubber gloves and uh-huh. what pe- what I find that servers forget to wash their hands with the gloves on, or forget to wash the glove. You know, you just because you're putting on gloves, you've still got to wash your hands with your yeah. gloves on. Yeah, I don't think gloves are a good idea um, for that reason exactly. Yeah, yeah. Huh. You, I mean, it's what easier a- to just wash your hands or sanitize yeah. them with gel. Are we going to all eat outside all winter? <laughs> Are you? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I go by some restaurants in the North Shore, and there's all kinds of people under heaters, and the weather is not great, and I wonder how long that's going to last. 
Well, you know, there are some patios that operate all year round and have for years. I mean, look at the sandbar on Granville Island. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I've sat out in winter at um, Seasons in the Park. You know, some of them, with, with they have really sturdy roofs and wind protection and heaters. I mean, there is a tradition, <laughs> albeit small, of eating outside. Um I think some people are really still not comfortable going indoors. So, um, and they're, they're looking for places to eat outside. Uh, whether that sustains itself for the next four or five months, I don't know. But, um, yeah, people are looking for outdoor options still. So what's the future of, the, of restaurant criticism? I mean, you've already made a change to your column by not putting in the numerical or the star system. What else no. is going to happen? Well, uh, no star ratings. I'm looking at the safety protocols for sure. Um, but I'm also reviewing the whole experience. If there's an outdoor patio, I'll sit on that outdoor patio to tell you what it's like. Um, if there's takeout, um, delivery. I mean, I've I've already started by, you know, uh, my first restaurant was um, Mila, a plant-based restaurant in Chinatown. And I ordered for delivery before I went into the restaurant. And people want to know which items travel well. I'm not doing the entire menu, but, you know, some of the more popular dishes I'll certainly get for takeout and tell you whether it's a good bet for delivery or not, because not everything travels well. That's a great idea and very useful information. We don't have a lot of time, but would you say that menus are are drastically changing as well or just reshaping? Or how, how would you talk about that? Yeah, I think the smart ones, the smart restaurants are scaling down their menu. They're editing them to more manageable portion, you know, proportions. Um, yeah. I've been to some restaurants where they still have like 30 plus menu items for dinner and service is slow. And uh, it's because they're dealing with smaller kitchen staff and, um, and there's a difference between lunch and dinner because the lunch menu is smaller. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, that's something that people should consider you know smaller more manageable menu items menu sizes people it makes sense to do that people are going to um i don't know i think at the fine dining restaurants you're still seeing the same quality the same um the same um sort of experience people want to go back to that they don't want to go to you know, a Boulevard or a St. Lawrence for mac and cheese. Um, right. Maybe they're doing that for takeout, um, but not for the dining experience. I've, I think um, most pe- people are being innovative, you know, especially for takeout. But when you go back to a restaurant, you kind of want to go for that experience that you remember. There yeah. slight modifications, but most people are kind of doubling down on their core identity. Alex Skills, she's a restaurant critic at Globe Mail. Great to catch up with you today, Alex. Now, people can uh, read Alex's reviews uh, uh, at the Globe and Mail. They, you can sign up for their Good Taste newsletter online. Uh, when will they find your columns? On which day of the week would they appear <laughs> online, or how did that work? Well, they're supposed to – They you generally run on Saturdays, but yeah. you know, with everything, they often get bumped by ads, and if that happens, it, it goes on Monday. Ads, that's a good thing, I think. I know. <laughs> it keeps me working. <laughs> Alex, uh, great to see you. I hope we can uh, have some food sometime out on a, in a restaurant and uh, continue or the chat. Patio. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. Alex Gill from the Globe and Mail. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, but there's plenty more coming up on the show today. Uh, I think next is Michael Barchier. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. 
Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. Have the extraordinary organic wines of Summerhill Pyramid Winery in the pristine Okanagan Valley delivered to your door. When you become an organic ambassador, a portion of every purchase you make at Summerhill goes back into your account, which you can use towards future purchases anytime. Share the love with your friends to earn even more credits. Find out more about Summerhill Pyramid Winery's organic ambassador program and order online by visiting summerhill.bc.ca. The upper bench of BC's Similkameen Valley, a special place that's the source of some of Canada's best wines. Here, nestled in a sun-laden, stony corner of the mountains, you'll find Clos de Soleil Winery. Clos de Soleil blends age-old Bordeaux varieties and a unique Similkameen minerality for wines that are elegant, age-worthy, distinctively terroir-driven. Visit them by appointment or purchase their wines online at clodesoleil.ca with free shipping offered to all BC and Alberta customers on orders of six bottles or more. Location, location, location. If you've made up your mind to finally take that big step and move to the beautiful Okanagan, keep in mind that you don't have to do it alone. The right real estate agent can make all the difference. Let Sean Everest of Remax Kelowna be your trusted advisor as you embark on this exciting new chapter. I'm Sean Everest. I raised my family here and you can too. Visit seaneverest.com and let me help you on your move. And welcome to the Okanagan. I'm sure you're going to love it. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Uh, hey, I want to have a shout out today from uh, the Revelstoke Mountain Resort to the Enchanted Forest. Thanks so much for listening to BC Food and Wine Radio on Easy Rock 106.1 in Revelstoke, BC. I know our next guest probably skis there regularly and uh, from the Kokanee Mountain Zip Line which Casey loves to fly down to I Pulpit do. Rock. <laughs> to Pulpit Rock and Nelson, B.C., Easy Rock 106.9 is also now uh, listening to the show. So thanks for that, folks, and uh, gl- glad to have you aboard. Hey, Michael, how are you? Hey, I am terrific. I'm very good. I should how say, are you? I should say, hey, winemaker Michael Barche, how are you? Are you, uh... <laughs> are you are getting you... any sleep, Michael? Uh, I'm, I'm very good, and I am getting sleep. We finished our vintage. I am tired, uh, but that's par for the course at this time of year. Uh, you know, we've, mm-hmm. it, it was an eight-week sprint. Wow. And, uh, you know, working around the clock is not a, a figure of speech. It's a, it's, it's a fact. It's the way it is, what yeah. What we do at this time of year, yeah, yeah. The grapes so don't when, wait for us. If you step back and just have a quick look at 2020, did it, uh, COVID and all, how has it turned out for Barche Bros? Uh, well, fine. The uh, you know <laughs> we're still in business. Uh, you know yeah. we pay our bills, and uh, it's uh, it's been a tough year. Like to be in business for any business, as anybody knows, uh, you know because they, they say that. The beverage alcohol business, you know, wine, beer, whatever, is recession-proof, and that people always uh, would like to have have a drink. Um, they're and they have been. Uh, they're not drinking uh, as expensive, I'm told. Uh, they're drinking just as much, maybe more than they than they ever have. So I think that um, well, the wineries are still open, but it's been a challenge because a lot of the ways that we sell our wine to people has been. Yes. Uh, it's been face you know, face to face. Yeah, yeah. No longer face to face. Yeah. Uh, so we have to, um, 
you know, figure out other ways to get our wine into people's hands, into their mouths. And even with and, restaurants now opening, they have so much wine that they haven't used yet. So that that's a bit of a problem too, going through their inventory. Yeah, yeah. Which is which. You know what? I'm I'm thrilled for them that they are going through their inventory. I'm thrilled that they're that they're opening up and that they're finding some way of being in business. Because restaurants, out of all of us, have had the toughest go of all. Yes. Uh, and if I can encourage anybody to, you know, one way or another, support the restaurants, get takeout, uh, dine in, you know, in a uh, in a responsible way. But, but man, the restaurants are hurting, and I sure hope that people uh, will support them one way or the other and and tip heavily because yes. man, they deserve it right now. What's yeah. the largest wine order you've sent to a home? <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't mention my house, please. Yes, and I want names. <laughs> I think I know one I'm of them. Give, I, 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 well, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, you and I both know who we're talking about. Um, well, okay, well, this actually, this will be astonishing. Um, I I know that I've had, uh, I think it was a 32 or 33 case order once to a house. Wow. wow. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I, remember, I remember, yeah, just to a house. I remember I almost fell off my chair when that happened. And uh, and I and honestly, I don't know the story behind that. I, I never spoke with them or anything like that. Uh, well, the way, just, the way just, I went, it was paid for, and, uh, and they were very happy to receive it from what I understand. Just Google super spreader parties, Michael, and you probably... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> hey, uh, I should tell our listeners, because it's quite rare, I, uh, you know, I live, I, I, I have a pretty simple life, actually, Michael, it's actually dreadful some days, I live on the BC Liquor Store website, uh, which mm. is enough to drive you nuts. Uh, you have four <laughs> of your key wines, I would call key wines that really tell the story of Varche, in BC liquor stores, which is amazing for a British Columbia winery because so many have avoided that system. Uh, and yet you have your Syrah, your Semillon, your Chardonnay, and your Cabernet Franc all available in stores. Uh, these are yeah. all the new uh, 2018s and the 2019 Semillon. I think the Syrah is a little older, That's but correct. maybe it's flipped over. What, what, what's your strategy there? Just being nice to uh, consumers? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what our strategy is there, and because I know that a lot of wineries, uh, you know, kind of shake their heads saying, "Oh, you're never going to make uh, a business plan out of selling to the, the liquor board," and I, I just sort of politely nod my head and uh, and and don't let on. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Le- leave me the space. <laughs> well, no, they've they've been fantastic to work with. The um, and it, it gives us an opportunity to get our wine around the province in front of people where I normally wouldn't be able to get in front of people. Uh, and, and you know, from a business perspective, it's, it's true. We, we don't uh, make the margin, so to speak, uh, you know, per yeah. bottle that, that we would say, you know, selling to, to somebody online or out our front door or something like that. But on the other hand, it's really efficient. You know, a pallet of wine goes out the door and, and it's sold, uh, you know, 56 cases at a time or 112 cases at a time. And the yeah. other thing too, there is I never have to chase them for payment. They they, they pay. Well, that's <laughs> so good to I'm, hear. You know, from a business perspective, I'm 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 all for it, and uh, and they've been very good to us. They they help us they help us to promote our wine and to sell our wine. So, and if I people want to get that. wine from you, order it for Christmas or for the holidays. Should they order early? What what would be your cutoff date at the winery? Oh. Um, 
I'm not quite certain what the cutoff date. I would I would say if they want to have it for the holidays, I would say the week before. I mean, things get around with couriers these days very quickly. Yes. But uh, but having said that, you know, I, I urge people to immediately go to your computer, go to barchebros.com. <laughs> and do it now, order, Michael. You you have been order much. <laughs> you have been sleeping because I can guarantee you that no one's going to get it a week before unless it's down the street. The online sales are crazy now, so. People should yeah, uh, act did, early. Yeah, two two weeks earlier then. How, is, how does that sound? Yeah, uh, yeah that sounds good. We, well, that sounds good. Couple, yeah, we work with a good courier company, and uh, and you know they have uh, temperature controlled vehicles, so you know the wine doesn't freeze, and the winter yep. it doesn't uh, bake in the summer, and, and they get it to uh, our to the destination very quickly. They've been they've been fantastic. And Michael, Michael how supportive are the neighbor wineries? In your region, yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. You know, I talked about that, and uh, I am so lucky, and I am so grateful to have the neighbors that I have. We have, you know, people say, "Oh, another winery." Uh, you know, aren't aren't you worried about the competition? And uh, these, the wineries that are around us are not our competition; they're our colleagues, and uh, and it is very collegial. We actually had a. a a situation this this vintage where I was desperately uh, in need of a piece of equipment, uh, you know, a a very important key piece of equipment that the vintage will not continue without it, and I had it within 20 minutes from one of my neighbors. Wow. Uh, you know, this is incredible, and so we have all of these wineries along Black Sage Road here, including ourselves, who uh, who get along so well. Uh, they socialize. Uh, they share information openly, willingly, and uh, it, it is such a well. Again, it's so it's so collegial, and and it's such a pleasant situation, you know, for all of us to be in that and to be uh, and to be working together like that. They're they're not just uh, they're not just neighbors; they're friends, and uh, <laughs> and I will I will crawl through broken glass for the honor and pleasure of tossing myself in front of a bus for any of them. They're fantastic people. Wow. I'd love to hear that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it wasn't always like that. And, Michael, how can we join your wine club? And, and uh, is the wine club, is there anything going out soon for the holidays with the wine club? Yeah. Well, again, go to our website, com. And uh, we do a subscription wine club, which is fantastic. Uh, people give us their credit card number very trustingly. We don't abuse that. And uh, four times a year, we send them a package of wine. Sometimes it's three bottles, sometimes it's six, sometimes it's 12, whatever somebody decides on. And that's going out. Uh, well, actually, I know that uh, I just I saw that, they, that our wine shop staff are preparing that they just started preparing that this morning so that'll be going out in about two or three weeks great so there's still time to join up you bet yeah absolutely there is and uh and i'm told that it's a good deal uh michael before we run out of time we did talk to you about a special project you did with uh, the Boutin the Boutineau family in france uh yeah yeah you're, you're involved in making a wine for them and at the time you suggested that uh it had gone so well that perhaps a new wine would be made and somebody whispered in my ear that there will be a new wine is that official yet or an extra added wine next year uh it there is <laughs> Uh, it is, is. 
it is. I don't know if it's officially been announced or anything like that. And I'm, yeah. and I'm not going to know. I'm not going to be the one to announce it because it is their wine. But uh, but I, I feel pretty confident and pretty safe saying that there will be another wine added to that. So we have made another Project B, a Boutonneau Project B Sauvignon Blanc. And it's in the tank right now. It's it's dry. It's delicious. It's absolutely oh, wow. delicious. And uh, and of course, with Boutonneau, their head winemaker that I deal with, Eric Monin, super guy. He's in France, uh, and of course, he hasn't had an opportunity to taste the new wine. So I'm not going to. He's he's going on my tasting notes on it only. So I haven't. Sure. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to announce on his behalf. <laughs> okay, that's fair. But I'm, yeah. pre- I'm pretty sure there's going to be a second wine, a companion wine, which is kind of fun uh, and a nice validation, too, for you. Listen, Michael, I hope you get some uh, sleep now and some rest. Uh, I, I know you're not going to Italy this year, which is a shame, but uh, mm. maybe it, next year. It is. <laughs> maybe next year. Is in, you never know. That is in my, yeah, next year in Italy. I will be there. Yeah. We'll all get vaccinated somehow. Uh, thanks, Michael. And uh, by the way, you, the winery is closed now, but people can still drop by for to actually pick up wine that they've ordered. Is that the way it's working now until Christmas? Or yeah, as long as they give us a, a phone call in advance or, or yeah. uh, an email or something like that, yeah, we can arrange that. Uh, believe me, we we want to sell wine. And, sure. Uh, but however, with things the way that they are right now with the pandemic, we're being very cautious, and we've made a pact with our staff that we're going to be. Well, very cautious. And, uh, so, yeah, but fair enough. One way or the other, we'll get wine into people's hands. Thanks so much, uh, winemaker Michael Barche from Barche Brothers. Uh, he's over on the Black Sage bench. He's actually in the middle. He would call it the gravel bench. Uh, surrounded by a lot of neat wineries now in the South Okanagan. Casey, we have to take a quick break. Plenty more coming up on the show. Next, we're going to be joined by Ian Tossenson. He's the president and CEO of the BC Restaurant Association for more talk about uh, restaurants, COVID, and what's happening out there in your neighborhood. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. When the cooler weather settles, the vibe changes, dishes become heartier, and wine decidedly more nuanced. Save on Foods carries the world's largest selection of BC VQA wine, more than 1,200 wines from over 180 wineries, all perfect for fall. There's no better time to experience BC's best vintages, and there's no better place to find them all than Save on Foods. Wines of British Columbia at Save on Foods. Browse the entire collection online at saveonfoods.com wine. Kalmana Family Estate Winery would like to welcome you to visit their spectacular winery in the heart of the Okanagan's Golden Mile Bench. Guests can enjoy seated tastings of six of their signature wines for up to six people per reservation. Feel comfortable knowing that rigid social distancing and cleaning protocols are in place to ensure the utmost safety of staff and guests. Kalmana Family Estate Winery, creating wines of excellence through the blending of art and science. Open 10 to 5 daily. Call or visit kalmana.ca for reservations. Rediscover the South Okanagan good life at Watermark Beach Resort, Asoyas Hotel and Conference Centre. Just steps to everything. The beach, shopping, the marina and great dining at the restaurant at Watermark. New executive chef Nick Atkins invites you to indulge your senses with bright new flavours inside or on the newly expanded lakeside patio. Featuring new health and safety protocols and procedures. Reservations are highly recommended. Celebrate the South Okanagan. Visit watermarkbeachresort.com. 
Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. You can get anything you want at Alice's Restaurant. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. If you didn't know, they're listening in uh, Shushwap Lake to Larch Hills Winery today. Sam and Arm is tuned into the Easy Rock 91.5 FM station, and they're listening to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. We're happy to have them. Prince Rupert as well at Rock 91, 99.1 is listening. Our next guest will be happy to uh, hear that because he represents restaurants across the province. Ian Tostenson is the president and CEO of the BC Restaurant Association. Ian, how are you today? Hey, guys. Good to talk to you both. Yeah, good to talk to you. Uh, do you feel uh, beat down at all by COVID, or are you hanging in there? You know, I feel proud that this industry has responded so well, uh, Anthony, in terms of its protocols, um, you know, operating on, on a reduced capacity. It's fighting its way through. Uh, we've had great cooperation from the government on things like, you know, wholesale liquor pricing and delivery of alcohol and some federal programs. So, you know, from that point of view, uh, to see this industry, and I know you both know it so well, to coalesce around a cause and, and to and to make itself happen, uh, mm. and try to get to the future is is it, I mean it just it just keeps you going and so motivated. But we continue to sort of face obstacles, you know, like we did this weekend when the numbers of uh, transmissions are going up, and people are particularly sensitive about restaurants, and when they hear things. Um, what we see immediately is an immediate business impact because we start to lose the consumer confidence that we work so hard at, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, trying to build. Well, let's start first with the most important, safety. What do we know about safety in restaurants? Right. So um, your listeners should know that this is what they should expect going into a restaurant. They should see clear, visible signs that there's sanitation going on. You may see some restaurants now asking you to wear a mask as you go to the table, and that's that's good. You should see all the staff wearing a mask, which is not a requirement of the government, but that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no more than six people at a table. The tables are six feet apart. You can't table hop and go see your aunt next door. That's, you right. can go phone her later, and you stay at your table. You won't see any... Um, cutlery or anything else on the table is going to be sanitized you're likely going to get your menu on a qr code and you're going to have a great time and then you're not going to hang around and you're going to leave and it's and it's going to be a really good experience so that's what 96 percent of this industry is is doing every day and they're doing a great job of it the other thing that you're going to start to see uh, the listeners will see uh, a, a poster on the, on the door that says this restaurant is covid ready and that means that this restaurant's gone through a registration process, and you can get it through our website, bcrfa.com. Oh, and um, they, they register their business, they register their safety plans, and it pops this assurance that this restaurant is doing the right thing. So um, we've got about three or 400 restaurants on the program. We just launched it. It's a joint program with the government. But again, as I said, it's all about the consumer confidence. We've just got to you know, let people know that they're safe in restaurants, in any restaurants they don't feel safe on, and I, I, I say this all the time, they can personally call me and get a hold of me. We'll, we'll phone that restaurant, and if it's really bad and this restaurant doesn't care, we'll ask to have them closed by the health department. It's, it, that's, it's that serious. Yes, and mm. Ian, what's the latest health order? And, and there seems to be confusion around it. Yeah, Casey, it's a good question. So uh, Saturday came out. 
uh, the numbers are bad, so we got to kind of, you know, we got to watch ourselves here. And then Sunday it was reported that restaurants will only take people that are living in the same residence, not the same family, same residence. And then yesterday morning, uh, Minister Dick said, no, 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 hang on a second now. It's six people or less, so the rules I just mentioned to you. And then Dr. Henry said yesterday she sort of inferred, well, we're trying to keep it small and so immediate residence. But then later on in the afternoon, she at the press conference, she said, no, no, it's six people. So as far as we're concerned, we're operating with six or fewer people under the, the public health order that was of, of about a month and a half ago. And we closed and stopped serving alcohol at 10. But we are saying to people, keep it small, keep it with people you know, make sure the people you know, uh, you know, have any known uh, um, health issues. And when you go to the restaurant, you'll see that it says, if, you know, if, you, if you're not feeling well or whatever, like turn around and go home. We're not interested in serving you. So that's where we're at. Uh, and Dr. Henry and I, I fully appreciate her, what she has. She's walking a fine line here. I mean, I think she'd probably like to tell us all to stay home for two weeks but they're also very cognizant of the economy but i'm also i'm also very sensitive that she has said to the public that restaurants are safer than eating at home or, or having parties yeah. at home. go to a restaurant and do it because of the protocols yes. and if, uh, if, if we step back and have a look at the big picture what what is going on with restaurants across bc are they shrinking are they holding their own like how would you look at the business generally at this point uh i just had a, a text from a restaurant saying under these circumstances, sometimes it might be uh, better just to close less costly. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd say, Anthony, at best that they're um, – well, let's be a little bit more specific here. Downtown Victoria and downtown Vancouver are disaster zones. There's no business. Tourism, um, you know, there's, there's very few offices, big offices operating downtown, and they're operating from home. So you've seen uh, regional restaurants are doing quite well. So um, they're doing a lot of takeout, delivery um, they've mm-hmm. got a number of you know programs in place, so it's it's sort of hit and miss. Um, I would say most restaurants are break even plus right now, and the bigger guys um, they're having a really tough time because they built large restaurants in very busy areas that aren't business uh, busy anymore. Mm-hmm. If we were to shut down, um, and the premier talked about this yesterday, um, even two weeks, I think we would probably see out of the fifteen thousand restaurants, I think we've lost ten percent of the industry. I think we'll lose another 15 to 20 percent of the industry just because of this. It just the staying power uh, and the, uh, the liquidity for restaurants right now is really tough, especially now because, you know, if they made a little bit of money in the summertime, that's going to get them through to next spring. That's a long time. Yes. And there's no, there's not going to be any Christmas parties to speak of. Um, so that whole business. So we, we're really pushing innovation. You know, takeout delivery. Meal kits have been really a real hit. Um, grocery, some of the restaurants now are doing um, a, like almost like a grocery store. You can order some of their favorite ingredients. So they're really getting innovative. And yeah. uh, and that's the, the part that is really fun to be part of this industry to see how they can. They're not just sitting around going, oh, woe is me. They're trying to make things happen, which is, which is pretty cool. And a lot of changes have made. Technology changes have come into play. How you get your food. We're working with the government on reducing the commissions on uh, third-party deliveries. So the right. NDP government said they'd cap that at 15% for, 15 for six months to help. So there's a lot of things that we can do to continue to help the cause. And one and last we, question. We, what is the Consumer Confidence app? 
It basically is a joint. You're going to see this all throughout business in BC. But we, we, this was our idea about four or five months ago, and then the government sort of said, "Great," and it went into a couple of different ministries, and it popped back up. They put a lot of technology into it, but basically, you cannot get a poster in your door. That's what we call it the poster on the door or in the window program, unless you can demonstrate to the government that you have a safety plan for both your guests and both your and your employees, which you're required to have. But you've got to actually send that in your registration. The government's convinced that, and if you have that, then they're convinced that you know you're COVID ready away you go. So when you go as a, a consumer or a guest to a restaurant, there's a QR code, and you can take a picture of it, and it'll tell you the responsibilities of what that restaurant, uh, what what their responsibilities are to you, and what the expectations of you of a guest are to the restaurant, which is like. You know, don't walk around, don't socialize, don't do all those things. So it puts a little bit of discipline and, and awareness, and um, and people appreciate that because they walk into a restaurant and they go, well, should they be wearing masks or not, or no masks? Well, the requirement is no masks, but you're going to see most restaurants are wearing masks. So the, the consumer gets a bit confused. What we're hoping, Casey, uh, will this will happen? It'll smooth that out and just get everybody on sort of an equal playing field. Uh, Ian Tossenson's been our guest. He's the president and CEO of the BC Restaurant Association. Ian, thanks for sharing uh, some of this information today. Uh, it's going to be a long, tough road, but I think British Columbians uh, get uh, that they're part of the picture, and they'll do their best to support uh, local restaurants and uh, hope we can get everything back on track. Uh, at least there's some good news this week about vaccines, which may uh, you know, impact us maybe six months down the road, but uh, there's yeah. some light at the end of the tunnel. I, you know, I really appreciate the opportunity to tell the story here, and um, and I think you're right. A year from now, when we're telling the story, it's going to be. Remember when we didn't have a vaccination and what we were into? So it's going to be a real interesting metamorphosis. Yeah. And uh, and I know the two of you really support our industry, and I and I thank you personally for that. It means a lot. Thanks so much. Take thank care, you. Ian. Thanks, you guys. Yeah, Ian Tossin, President and CEO, BC Restaurant Association. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back, and we're going to catch up with Ingrid Jarrett. She's the president of the BC Hotel Association. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. Hillside Winery is here to serve you, BC. We're offering free shipping across the province on all orders of six bottles or more. Let Hillside deliver direct to your doorstep and give you one less thing to tick off your shopping list. If you're a local, ordering online for pickup is easy and hassle-free. Hillside will happily box up your wines and have them ready and waiting for you. We want to make getting your favorite Hillside wines easy. Find us online at hillsidewinery.ca. Barb Holler, owner of Poplar Grove Winery in the Okanagan. When I look out over our vineyards, I think of the potential. The potential for improvement. How can I do things differently? How can I be more sustainable? How can I do things that improve viticulture practice? And bottom line, how can it improve the wine? Poplar Grove, available at private fine wine stores. Join the wine club at poplargrove.ca. Please enjoy responsibly. The team at Spirit Ridge would like to send out heartfelt thank yous to everyone. Thank you to the community. Thanks to the frontline workers at hospitals and care homes for keeping our loved ones safe. And to all our fire and police personnel. And thank you to all those who are helping and working hard to make us stronger. Spirit Ridge Resort. Stay strong and we'll be here for you. 
part of the Unbound Collection by Hyatt. Visit spiritridge.ca. Tin Horn Creek Vineyards has opened its doors. Visitors are welcome to stop by the wine shop for both sales and tastings. The award-winning Miradoro restaurant is now also open for table service and takeout. Reservations are required. Can't make it in? Take advantage of free shipping on orders over six bottles or send wine to someone you love to show them you're thinking of them. Curbside pickup is also available for online and phone orders. For full details and the latest updates, please visit tinhorn.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Our next guest is Ingrid Jarrett. She's the president and CEO of the BC Hotel Association. And uh, Ingrid, we're excited to have you on today because uh, there's been a lot of talk uh, only in the last few hours even about messaging and what's going on with the latest uh, commands from the BC government regarding COVID-19. But uh, what what's your take on all of this uh, on messaging? And what, what is the message from the Hotel Association at this point? Uh, Good morning. You know, uh, one of the challenges we have is um, when government changes the uh, orders from the Department of Health or from BC CDC, uh, they're not really in our industry. So they're thinking about public safety, which of course is critical, and we support that. But the accommodation sector and primarily hotels and resorts have been afforded a very detailed best practice and protocol framework with safety plans and training and um, all of these uh, restrictions which echo uh, the restrictions within restaurant uh, sector as well. So we've been able to operate since March within this framework of best practices and protocols and it's proven to be very very successful. There are in fact no cases that are attributed to the sector and so very often when government is talking about gatherings um, they don't communicate that that the exception is or that meetings are different than gatherings and the limitation of meeting within a hotel property is limited at 50 people Mm -hmm. but they're purpose-built projects and and, uh, facilities with you know lots of space to come and go and entrance and exit and HVAC systems and and uh, you know I, I think that whole way that that operates is so different from a gathering within a banquet hall or, or you know a community hall or something like that so um, I am very pleased to say that the health ministry is very responsive when we send a message and say hey, you know, we're getting lots of questions about this from your last uh, message. They're very responsive, but it means that we're in reactionary mode and and trying to make sure that, you know, people within British Columbia understand what the direction is from the Minister of Health and that it actually is safe to travel um, and it's safe to stay in hotels. Uh, well, and, and just in hotels, like just uh, we don't need to get into the, you know, the nitty gritty, but they're clean. They, they have all these. Uh, what are they doing? Is it so it seems like uh, when you get into the hotel room, everything is perfectly clean and been really gone over. Is that the case? Uh, I, I would suggest it is. 
And I'll tell you everything from messaging on their website to confirming uh, on arrival that people are well, that they haven't been exposed, that they haven't been out of the country. You know, all of those details that we know so well are are confirmed prior to arrival at reservation, uh, at, you know, at arrival. And then again, the heightened uh, best practices and cleaning protocols. Um, are adhered to as well, and, and there's all kinds of records kept. There's WorkSafe BC inspectors around the province that are actively inspecting and making sure that, you know, that it is clean and safe to be in a hotel or a motel or an accommodator. And I'm really proud to say that our our industry has done an outstanding job. We're working hard with the ski industry right now, actually getting them ready. Uh, for their season, so that we can have a great ski season as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'm. Uh, I saw an interesting story. Uh, well, uh, I guess a trend. I don't know if it's happening in BC about that. A lot of uh, people were booking hotel rooms for a day or two to work in, like just to mm-hmm. get out of the house and uh, to you know to have sort of a private place to work in. Have you seen any evidence of that in BC? Well, we certainly have. There's uh, quite a few hotels in Vancouver that are doing that. You can imagine, you know, living on Zoom right now with everything from dogs and cats to children. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a, it's a pretty difficult thing when you're uh, normally in an office environment and if you're working from home. So that certainly has been a trend. And, you know, Anthony, the other, the other thing that we have is we have uh, – a partnership right now with the regions around Venture West and, and Snowbirds. There's a lot of people in Canada that, that would go south, uh, either to the U.S. or to Mexico or somewhere else for an extended period of time. And um, because of our success and because that domestic travel certainly is not uh, limited right now, Mm -hmm. Uh, We're seeing a lot of opportunity to educate travelers on what does safe travel look like and for communities to partner with accommodations for long stays. So both of these things right now, I imagine, will ramp up in the new year and it allows everybody to do sort of some background work and some planning now before people start arriving. Well, I know that you know a lot about hotels because you were running them as well uh, in your lifetime. What can you tell us about pricing? Is Are there deals out there? Is, is the price the same? Like what, what has been the effect on that and getting, uh, oh. getting room rates and all that? Yeah, well, you know, our occupancy is down overall by about 70% in the province. Right. And so have, so have room rates. And so, Ingrid... Are there yes, are short-term rentals like Airbnb held to the same safety standards as hotels? You know, Casey, it's a great question. No, they're not. There is no overarching body that is responsible for adhering to the protocols. Because it's municipally, uh, um, you know, you need a policy within a municipality to govern an Airbnb or a VRBO, a short-term rental, there is no uh, way for WorkSafe BC or for the BC Centre for Disease Control to be looking or inspecting those short-term rental accommodations. So that's a challenge for us, uh, given that, you know, if the playing field was fair and even, then and they were able to be inspected as we are, then we would feel a little better about the risk affiliated with short-term rentals. But currently... 
Uh, you know, if there's something that keeps us up at night, that that's certainly one of them. And how can we support tourism operators and hotels? Should we, you know, what, should one book directly with the hotel, or what's the best way during COVID to make yeah, reservations? Yeah, absolutely. You know, if uh, certainly hotel direct, uh, certainly within the community destination marketing organization. So you can you can choose a community. Say you want to come to, you know, Kelowna or, or you know, somewhere on Vancouver Island, uh, go to that uh, community itself and it will actually have an ability for you to go and choose uh, which accommodation you'd like to stay in in that area and book direct. That makes an enormous difference to the amount of uh, savings and commissions. And you also then have an opportunity to speak directly to them and understand maybe what might be different uh, this year versus last year. And, you know, the other thing is it's like our restaurants. You know, we need to support our local businesses. So that's hotels, restaurants, wineries, all of those things that we love to do for for travel and enjoyment. Mm. Yeah, I think it's always good to point out when you put those together, when you put hotels and restaurants, wineries and tourism all in one uh, big basket, that's a lot of jobs in this province and that's a lot of income for people uh, that's, you know, under siege. Yes, it, it certainly is. You know, we in our sector alone have over 40,000 people that are currently laid off. And, um, you know, increasingly wow. it's concerning. We we want to get them back to work and we hold them. You know, it's such a precious part of what allows our industry to be successful. And, um, you know, everything that we do makes sure that we keep our businesses solvent. So they need to mm-hmm. stay in business and then we need to be able to rehire all of those precious, highly skilled uh, people that work within the industry. Ingrid, we're almost out of time, but uh, do you keep an eye on what's going on globally as well, what other hotels in other countries or other or other tourism areas are doing or how they're operating? Yeah, I certainly do. And, you know, we, uh, given that we're heading into our winter season, <clears throat> we have a very close relationship with the South Pacific, Australia and New Zealand specifically. And we have uh, two different task forces provincially that are looking at uh, how uh, the responsibility of dealing with this pandemic and then the the demand that certain destinations may have for Canada. And I do think that there will be an opportunity in 2021 for us to start very very carefully and uh, very responsibly look at uh, longer haul travel. But the first thing we need to do is make sure that people within Canada feel comfortable traveling and that they're welcoming for people to come to their community. So we have a lot of work to do around consumer confidence, but there are pockets around the world that are doing an exceptional job, and those need to be our partners moving forward, without a doubt. Ingrid, thanks so much for joining us today. Great information, and uh, as I said last time, we'll stay in touch with you as things change so that uh, we can keep our listeners up to date. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, Very nice to chat with both of you again. Thank you, Ingrid. Thanks, Ingrid Jarrett. She's the president and CEO of the BC Hotel Association. Uh, Casey, we have to get out of here. Uh, we are out of time. Now, uh, are you booking into a hotel this weekend, Casey? I would book Maybe. into a hotel at any time. You I, could walk to one. I know. I have total confidence in the hotels industry and the restaurant industry. Uh, the prices are so low in hotel rooms that you just may want to check into one for a couple of days and then uh, relax 
And uh, maybe watch some U.S. election news, Casey. That'll drive you nuts. <laughs> yes, it sure will. <laughs> Folks, thanks for joining us all across the province. Uh, it's our privilege to bring the show to you every week. Uh, we're going to take the weekend off, but we'll be back next week on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Have a great weekend. That's it for today's show. Tune in again next week for Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. BC Food and Wine Radio is a TKS West production. Executive producer, Casey Wilson.